0: Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on the mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips, and much more and hope to inspire to join and remain in insurance. The industry is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Hi, Emily. Welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I am very glad you're here. Um, I must admit, I was very much looking forward to this one. Um, Second, I heard you speak at at the event that I'm going to come back to in a minute. I was like, I need to have you on this podcast. This is literally what this podcast is about. Um, And so inspiring what you do. So from having your own business at a university then going into working with very famous brands across FMCG. You then ended up working uh, with insurance companies. I'll be really keen to understand how that journey has actually happened because it's quite fascinating. You are now new business development leader for Europe focusing on Philips Advent women's and women's health. and going back to that day that I sort of heard and, and got to know you, I remember sitting at the um, ITC, the, uh, Europe conference, which is sort of SureTech conference. And it did have like women's health um, presentation. I thought, okay, well, I have, to, I have to be there. And then you come on stage with uh, Raymond Utebolton and um, the slide comes on and it goes, women's cycle of life. And you start talking about insurance and sort of women, um, how how life of women changes for out, and how insurance needs to do, offer products. And I see endometriosis on it, which is a condition, obviously very close to me. And I think it's the first time ever I'm sitting in the insurance conference, and I literally have tears coming down, you know, like coming up to my eyes. And I'm going, what an incredible woman stands there, talks about topic that's. So many of us get affected by, yet are afraid to speak up. And you are here at this big conference and not only you're talking about it, but you're actually offering solutions to some of those challenges and you're opening eyes to so many people. So I'm very glad you're here. Really excited about this. I start this podcast always with a question if your career in insurance was a choice or a chance. Slightly different with your role. So it's more working with insurance products was that career choice of a chance. So talk me through um, sort of your career, starting with your own business, and then how did you get to work with insurance companies?
1: Yeah, and thank you so much for that amazing introduction. That's so lovely, and it's uh, an absolute honor to be part of your podcast and with so many inspirational women that you've already spoken to and you have on your list to speak to. So I'm uh, very happy to be here talking to you today. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it was definitely a chance to start with for sure, but I think now it's actually become a choice. So I'll talk mm. a little bit around that. Um, with my current role, uh, it's definitely a choice. So that's, that's a very positive uh, yeah. spin on things, but yeah, I have had quite a interesting route to get to uh, where I am today. So I did start my own business, um, 14 years ago now, uh, which was in the sports industry, so in tennis. So actually, I was a tennis coach and the tournament referee uh, was my first initial jobs. Uh, We had a business out of that with a couple of partners. I then went to university, um, entered the corporate world. So I worked at an advertising agency. I worked at Coty Beauty Company um, on an Adidas uh, license. I then went to Unilever and worked on the foods business. Uh, And then I joined Philips six and a half years ago. Um, I led the marketing team for oral healthcare for retail and dental professional business uh, and then I uh, headed up the new business team in the UK then led the new business team for our Western Europe team um, and then recently so in the last kind of year but more so the last few months actually I've been specializing um, in still new business development but for uh, Philips Avent so our kind of Philips uh, maternal or health uh, products and also women's healthcare specific programs so we had a, you know, restructure recently and it was, you know, what area do I want to focus on? Mm. So that's why I say it's become a choice for me because um, for the last four years, I've been working with insurance companies in the dental space uh, with our oral healthcare care programs. Um, but actually, in the last year, we've really been looking at maternal health and how we can support women through pregnancy. Um, and that was something really passionate and really close to my heart. So I wanted to focus on that. So when that opportunity came up uh, for me, that was a choice that I uh, then ended up doing, which is the role I have
0: today that's incredible what what a journey and i what what i love about your journey and i often talk about a podcast um about this is there there is this old way of thinking that you kind of start in one career and then you or one role and you kind of climb your way up and what i'm hearing is like you did this and you did this and incredible and it obviously comes through soft skills but what the word that's been used right of transferable skills of of um things that you've experienced and learned. If you were to explain to someone in simple terms, what's your current role and you know, what are those skills that you think over the years you've gained that you are using now? Yeah and I think it you know business development's an interesting
1: one and new business uh, what does that actually mean? So um, what I say to people is it's anything that sits outside of core business so at Philips we have two sides of the business so we have our health uh, systems and we have personal health so I sit in personal health Mm -hmm. and we have four categories so we have grooming, beauty, oral healthcare and then mother and child care. So now I work on the mother and child care portfolio so um, we have Philips Philips Avant, which is the brand, so baby bottles, soothers, teats, breast pumps, night monitors, (laughs) so all of those products, Um, and then Philips also owns Pregnancy Plus, which is the world-leading pregnancy app, which a lot of people are are totally unaware that Philips actually acquired that seven years Mm. ago now, and then it's a fantastic app, Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, because that's um, what we're working with insurance companies about, but it's um, 80% of all pregnancies in Europe use the app, so we have an amazing captive audience, Mm. um, and we're really able to reach uh, so many women going through pregnancy um, so what I do in business development is I look at our Phillips Avon and our Pregnancy Plus uh, business and, and app solutions. Um, and I look at ways at how we can either bring new people into you know, the world that we, we are in. So if that's getting uh, yeah, new members or new people, but also how do we increase revenue outside of core sales? So rather than just selling products in retail or online, it could be things like subscription models, it could be a rental business, it could be new technology, um, mm-hmm. and it could be also new channels. So working. B2B uh, so insurance companies so this was something four years ago you know was an idea of you know how do we enter the insurance market with the products that we do which isn't a natural fit no. for Philips as a company um, but we saw great potential firstly in the in the dental insurance and now very much in the maternal uh, healthcare space. Mm. Um, so my big part of my role now is actually B2B, focusing on working with health insurers, um, but also a little bit with public governments, so NHS, um, and then also uh, employer groups.
0: That's, and I agree, it's not because whoever, and I talk about you quite a lot, so you potentially have a hiccup a lot of times, because I must quote you at least once a week. <laughs> um, and my favourite quote is is the quote that, you know, this big slide on the on the thing, and, and, and you saying women's healthcare products are seen as niche and there's certainly in the insurance industry yet there are when we look at the population there's 50 percent of women so how are we a niche um, and then I think there was a buying um stats that you also had that actually women tend to buy most of the insurance products for their house yes yet, again the products are not really catered for their needs so I quote you quite a lot can you give us an example of what's that product that Philips would have in comparison with with an insurance company, because whenever I tell people about you, people are like, "What Philips? what they don't do insurance." So what's that product like one, one yeah. of the examples?
1: yeah no definitely and it's not a natural fit for sure so <laughs> um so a good example actually in a program that uh we are just launching uh will we'll have been uh, live actually by the time this goes out um with a swiss insurer called group mutual and um, so they have a fantastic strategy focused on women's health so they're one of the um kind of first insurers that we wanted to speak to because of all the work and their strategy that they're doing mm. in this space is really inspirational and really progressive um so what we're doing is we're working with their with their members so when um we can identify someone who's pregnant via our Pregnancy Plus app, uh, we connect them to the group Mutual Insurance, we basically verify that they are part of that insurance, and then they unlock, uh, due to having their mm. insurance, all of these benefits. So we have um, a premium section on the app, which has really amazing content, so it's articles, it's courses, um, mm. there's a lot around mental health, um, a lot of support. Uh, yoga, sleep, coaching, lactation advice. Um, there's yeah, uh, like recipes, you know, do's and don'ts, what to eat when you're pregnant. Um, so there's, there's so much on there that then is paid for by your insurer. Uh, we also co create articles with them. A lot of insurance companies um, have amazing resources, but they're really difficult to find on their website, or people might not be aware of the benefits that are available to them when they're yeah. pregnant. So we help signpost that because the app is used um, on such a regular basis. So the timeline changes every week. So there's constantly new content. So people are coming back multiple times a week uh, for really long periods of time. So it's a great way to basically embed in their journey when things are relevant. So at what moment should they be connecting with their insurer or when can they look at what benefits are available to them? Or if they have telehealth services, we can also signpost towards those or other services that they might provide. Um, And then just giving a list of resources as well in terms of support that local countries can offer or
0: regions or municipalities, depending on what country or area that's in. That's really fascinating, and it's what I find interesting is, one, you don't associate the two together, Um, so I think that kind of goes back to there's so many jobs out there that have something to do with insurance that we don't even know about, but two, insurance um, sometimes has this narrative being boring and not always innovative, Um, what a lot of people don't realise is actually insurance is an enabler behind the scenes, But what has been your experience with insurance so far? Like, is it innovative? Is it moving the needle the right way? What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's it's such an interesting question. So I have to admit, when I first started
1: uh, four years ago, working with insurance companies, when it was kind of put on my job that this would be part of it, I thought, oh, that doesn't doesn't sound very interesting does it you know maybe it's a little bit boring you know it's I'm used to these innovative spaces but actually I've my experience has been completely the opposite so Mm. I'm really happy to say that it is not boring at all and even you know when I tell you know my friends and family oh I'm going to an insurance conference they all go oh and then I'm like no look at the pictures like it's amazing you know all the people there are you know and and some of the people I've met they're so creative they're amazing they're talented um you know and they're really working on health solutions to improve to the masses Mm -hmm. so what we you know we know that they're looking to support underserved communities which is really important you know access to care is something that we talk a lot about and then i really do think insurers are focused on those key areas um, which is very inspirational um, and you know we want to make a difference to people's lives and I think we can do that by partnering with them so if you mm. have more corporations partnering with insurance companies or public health organizations um, and then different partners you know together we have the innovation to, to create solutions I think not one person or one party can do it on its own and that's mm. something we've realized as a company a while ago you know we we have great products and services but actually you know we need to be able to reach more people and we need to be able to get access to care so ideally you know if your insurance can provide extra benefits the individual is benefiting because they're getting things for free it's also helping when we talk about preventative health care and that's a real big push that we've seen from insurance Mm. companies this the shift to focus on rather than just paying the bills um, to actually how do we give people tools services products that are in the preventative space so that they get better health outcomes and then ultimately it can lower the cost of care.
0: That's actually a really, really good way of thinking about it because the, the collaboration piece is so important and increasingly, even in specialty market that's not necessarily uh, personal uh, lines of insurance, there's this conversation about how do you collaborate more? How do you collaborate with other products that are not, just insurance products and, and actually change that mindset of oh insurance something that I need to buy rather than actually let me get insurance to enable me to do something else. And this educational piece around women's health combined with insurance absolutely brilliant way of sort of turning that around and in, increasing the support actually available
1: yeah because it's an interesting so um see so new parents or starting a family is mm. one of the key moments in life um and actually so insurance companies haven't been focused on we'll talk about women's health in, yeah. in, in general right but um actually there's two life stages obviously buying a home is a big one and starting a family is a big one and when you start a family everything in your life changes so mm. you might either buy a car or change your car so you need mm. car insurance you might upsell um, scale your house you need car insurance uh, house insurance sorry and then um, life insurance you might not have it you'll consider it for the first time or a- supplementary health insurance covers so all of a sudden you're thinking about so many different insurance options that that you know for the first time Mm. so being able to talk to these people who are making these decisions and we know women make 80 percent of all the household decisions for Mm. themselves and spending for the family but particularly on insurance Um, so to be able to reach these people and to target them and that's how we can help insurers because we have access obviously to Uh, 80 percent of all pregnancies so Mm. you know it's about helping the pregnant individual as well finding the best deals the best benefits and the best solutions for them so that they can get everything um, you know in one place and they can you know make cost savings but ultimately it helps the insurer because it's providing positive touch points as well because insurance you know it tends to maybe nps is not always you know a positive thing Mm. you know you go on to uh, raise your claims but actually we want to create those positive experiences those positive touch points um, how do you increase brand satisfaction you know uh, brand engagement mm. um, so those are things as well that with insurance companies working with corporate partners we can help enable them to do that because it's all around like the retention the loyalty and becoming a lifelong partner which is like key metrics that everybody wants to try and do but it's, it's really
0: difficult to do but I think pregnancy is like a key area where we can really help support. That's and you know when you talk about it it makes so much sense and it's like why is no one else doing it or or maybe I I know maybe there are companies out there but you know it should be a a standard but it's when it comes to women's healthcare right that there is so much stigma around it and people feel quite uncomfortable talking about it and again I, I go back to you know the big slide at a massive conference I mean for those who are not there, not aware of the conference. I mean, it's like 200 seats there, huge, huge slides, women's healthcare, menopause, you know, all these things, pregnancy, period pains, all these things are there. And they are being openly discussed. And I, from my experience, whenever I talk about some of those challenges, uh, you know, personally, I do get pushback and I do get challenged. And it's like, are we, you know, making a big thing out of nothing, etc. cetera it's your day-to-day job do you run into challenges and people kind of questioning why do you just do women's healthcare, care or uh, you know kind of trying to make the problem smaller and if so how do you remain resistant uh, resilient throughout this and kind of uh, continue continue doing what you're doing
1: yeah, and I think so. Women's health is so complex. And I yeah. think that's the that's the thing we hear a lot. Right. Oh, it's so complicated. And and like, yes, of course, it is right. Women have different hormones, different organs, different bodies to men. So we do need specific uh, treatment and plans and you know different options available. Um, I think we because it's complex, a lot of people put up the barriers straight away rather than trying to break them down mm-hmm. and really to uncover that underneath. For me, I don't come from a clinical background. So, you know, I'm very commercial business uh, led. So, you know, I every day have to learn, I have to educate, you know, I read a lot of articles, a lot of uh, journals, publications, um, to really get into this space. And the more you surround yourself by, the more you see as well. So Mm. my LinkedIn feed, you know, versus a year ago today is now all women's health. And I think the more you expose yourself to it, um, the more everybody else is also doing their small part. Yeah. Um and if we all do something, one post on LinkedIn, one share on, you know, social media or talking to your friends about it, it starts to break down the stigmas and then it makes the conversation more natural. And yes, mm. talking about, you know, we started, you know, start, um, you know, administration, that's mm. never a topic that people felt comfortable no. talking about. Um, which is, you know, crazy because <laughs> yeah, most of us, you know, especially women, you know, we're all going going through this so it's a case of like how do we open the conversations around frustration you know my area of pregnancy um maternal health is really interesting and and postnatal depression and Mm. we see about 15 percent of people struggling from that but actually it's probably a lot higher than that because a lot of people don't seek professional support so if there's all these people out there who are struggling but not talking to somebody about it like by us openly talking on stage about, you know, there is support, there are things out there that people can reach out to and and to get access to. Um, And it might be that they can access those resources for free as well. Um, So we are very much, you know, how do we get access to care? Uh, But it, you know, it is definitely a challenge. I think it's, it's not an easy area or an easy topic to talk about, but we are seeing, especially in the UK, actually, um, with the NHS setting up an ambassador program for women's health, oh, okay. um, so they have a full team now. And actually, the webinar um, I'm running in in a couple of weeks' time, we've got two ladies from the NHS who are, are talking about um, you know the women's health programs that we have supported, and that's so forward uh, mm. thinking from a government perspective um, about how do we you know start to change policies, how do we give um, you know more focus, more attention to women's healthcare specific conditions. So I think the narrative is changing it's slow but it is going in the right direction so how do we all do our part to to help even if it feels uncomfortable or even if it's not natural just to keep going keep talking about it and to keep spreading the message
0: I like that I think that's a a, it's interesting to hear that that even NHS is kind of supporting that because obviously as you said from every angle we will hopefully move this move this forward what what advice would you have to someone that is keen to start talking and having that conversation in the company and actually starting to open up the challenge even asking the question hey why aren't we doing women's healthcare products you know why aren't we doing insurance policies to cover that um how do you start that conversation internally
1: yeah. And, it, you know, it's an interesting one of like, how do you, yeah, encourage people to do that? And I know, mm. you know, there's amazing um, diversity inclusion groups, and a lot mm. of companies have, um, have those that you can be part of, I think, you know, championing, women's rights uh, you know women's healthcare, you know, equal opportunities for many things I think that helps um in the workplace I know menopause is now becoming a topic mm-hmm. where there's a lot of uh, focus we have a lot of trainings as our company on that which is amazing uh, you know I'm seeing every month there's training there's um you know information being circulated which never happened you know I think that's something that is within the last couple of years before that I don't you know in my working career it's never been spoken about so I, I see the shift uh, firstly coming from menopause, which is fantastic, because yeah. obviously that is impacting a lot of senior women um, in jobs, and we want to keep them in, in jobs and we want to make it so, you know, and flexible working also helps with that, right? Yeah. Um, not just with menopause, but other conditions, if, if we're able to, you know, say to people that you have flexibility, so if you are suffering, you know, it could be endometriosis, it could be many different conditions, but you're able to tailor your work around mm-hmm. uh, the pain that you're, you're experiencing. So then you're not losing uh, time off work, or you're able to still do the job to the best of your ability
0: yeah so c- connect with your networks kind of utilize the resources that are there and encourage the conversation you 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 spoke about the sort of life cycle and and being supported by a business before we start recording we started talking about retention and it's an area that i'm increasingly getting i um, interested about and, and like you said reading loads of journals and educating myself in that space But you've said something interesting that you are kind of part of at the moment around retention. So can you, uh, uh, Phillips, can you tell me a bit more about that? The support network, um, how women can um, utilize more of a support network.
1: No, definitely. So we're we're actually you know, not just at Philips, but we're looking at working with employers directly. So in the U.S., um, even though maternal mortality is really high, which is obviously awful, you know, versus Europe is it's a lot lower. But when we look at employer programs, the U.S. is actually leading the way when it comes to fertility and pregnancy options. So they offer these these programs that people can have as as an adjunction of their job, um, which it helps women, you know, take control of if they're looking to start a family or if they want to start a family in, in the future, but they're not sure, uh, you know, if that's going to be possible, or if they should start now because of their their different levels, or actually whether they have more time to wait in the future. So it just basically gives people the information that they need to be educated about their decisions. So we, we're partnering with, uh, with different companies in the fertility space, because that's not an area we're at at the moment. So it's about, you know, how do we start educating and empowering women to understand their options, um, and then you know if they do want to start a family and become pregnant, we then take them through the pregnancy journey to get them the healthiest possible pregnancy outcome for them and for their baby. And then after giving birth during so the postpartum period, to support with mental health support, uh, lactation support as well. So breastfeeding is a really interesting topic actually, um, it's like you know a sub angle. But yeah. um, in the UK, it's one of the lowest in the world. So only two percent of mums exclusively breastfeed after six weeks. Right. Um, so it's a big topic, and actually the NHS are talking about how to bring more support to this because they think they can save 50 million a year um, because of um, gut immune system health of the baby but also Mm. the benefits to to the mum you know if people are able to or want to breastfeed of course it's a choice for everybody um but a lot of people want to but are struggling to and there's not the support available at the moment to help them Mm. so by providing support it gives people more options Mm. um so it's about packaging that up uh, which obviously sounds quite quite complicated, yeah. but it's basically looking at fertility, pregnancy and postpartum um, and then providing that to companies and um, that they can give to their employees. Mm. So, you know, about the support that it's there when they need it. So if they are choosing to go on that journey um, or just want to look at what their options could be, then they have it provided for by their employer. So that's what we're looking at. Um, and we see that really helps retain talent mm. because it gives people options. Um, it also, you know, it makes them feel like they are you know, they can explore this within the workplace, they can take time off, they can come back to work. And then the back to work policies are also, you know, giving confidence, giving flexibility, uh, understanding as well that it might be difficult returning after maternity leave, Um, or if you are still breastfeeding, having uh, breastfeeding rooms or, you know, expression rooms in the office is another one. So how do we help employers to, you know, really understand the whole kind of suite of things that somebody might be experiencing through this time and give them the best possible journey and care. Um, so that's something that we're looking into and that will help, we believe, retain talent, um, which then is obviously an impact on, uh, on savings as well for the business. They of get course. to keep the talent and also, you know, the cost of recruiting and replacing people is also mm. very high. So there, there's benefits uh, for them as well.
0: I think that's a very interesting topic because what um, I increasingly talk about is that there is a statistics in the insurance industry that between 30 and 40, um, I think up to 45% of women actually leave the industry and they don't come back. And um, in the insurance, there's a big problem with a um, talent. There is another statistic that within the next five to 10 years, 60, up to 60% of um, uh, people in the industry now. It's a statistic actually across all insurance, but certainly in specialty insurance, um, are due to retire. So there's loads of work being done about bringing new talent, but actually is the talent that's here needs retaining. And if we look at the statistics of how many women are in senior positions, obviously those numbers are very small. There is the topic about leaking pipeline where women don't apply for roles. And everything you're saying is supports that because the problem is... um, even if you do work on your diversity pipeline and you bring talent in, if your company's not set up to support that talent because it doesn't take into consideration in this instance women life cycle and the, and the, how it impacts them throughout the various stages, then these women won't stay, right? Because they 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 have to adapt. So it's really fascinating how you're looking at the end-to-end and actually supporting businesses in um in looking after their talent i mean you often talk about women and i've i've quoted that already women uh insurance um, healthcare products insurance especially are sort of seen as niche product why do you think that why do you think insurance companies are still you know so behind when it comes to that topic
1: Yeah I think it's you know it's that's a great question it's like why is there not um, you know more focus on women's health in general Um, and I think you know it's not unique to insurers I think Mm. in general right there's but insurance have the opportunity to really make a difference for women and make it more equitable. Um, I think traditionally obviously it's been seen as quite complicated Um, so you know it's not necessarily been an area that people want to tackle or want to get into but um, you know we know that they're making a lot of the decisions, so eighty percent of the decisions are being made by women, as, as we've made you know reference to. Um, so they have this this huge you know buying power, if you like. So it should be an area of focus, but it just traditionally hasn't been. And you know we talk a bit about the data gap, and that's a huge thing that women didn't legally even have to be involved in clinical trials until nineteen ninety three. So it's only been thirty years that you know we've had. Of course, women have been in trials, but not you know legally. Mm. Um, so that's a very interesting point. Um, that we need to you know, address of like when women are including clinical trials, obviously there's significant differences in how our bodies respond and react to different things. Um, and a lot of the, the journals, when they do report it, they don't necessarily sex aggregate the data. So we don't really know the differences even. Mm. So there's, I think there's a lot of, you know, data clinical, you know, complications or just unknowns um that also you know we need to make sure we're we're addressing and I think that kind of comes back to like why isn't the focus there I think well it hasn't been before but it is getting better and and obviously now um it's only about seven percent of all um digital health funding that is on uh, women specific conditions so that's also very low and that's something that that needs to be improved and I think that will definitely help you know 50 percent of the population we should really be investing in this and that will create more innovation um obviously building then pipeline of you know future products and things but i think there's a, there's a lot of reasons why people should focus on women's healthcare. Uh, for all those reasons right because it's there's a lot of unknowns at the moment um, and it is impacting so many of us in the population mm. so i think it's um you know we have seen an increase in interest in particular uh, you know from startups from innovation yeah. you know a lot of vcs now getting involved um, and that's fantastic and i think it's only really the tip of the iceberg i think there's a lot um that we need to encourage more companies to focus on women's healthcare to make it specific for healthcare plans that really impact women so looking at the areas and i think you know from a european healthcare perspective they don't necessarily you know they know the costs will occur particularly during pregnancy the costs are there right yeah. but actually what they're not looking at is What could happen and maternal age is increasing. So pregnancies are also becoming more higher risk. So then there can be more complications. There can also be complications post birth that then lead to additional costs. So if we can understand those, if we can look at what can we put into place for preventative healthcare early on um, to make sure everybody's getting the right support that they need, then we can also save the costs later on. Mm-hmm. So there is benefit for obviously the, the mum going through the pregnancy because she's getting the best possible health care outcomes. Um, but also if you're looking at lower cost of care and also subsequent health care issues that could result after pregnancy and continue for many years. And um, that so many women are facing and that's um, you know, across the broad spectrum. Mm-hmm. But that can also be helped addressed if we if we have a look at it earlier on. So I think there's there's many reasons why, you know, it would
0: be great for. Uh, companies to, to really focus on this area I, I love the statistics that you throw out there's a book out there called Invisible Women and I have it next to my bed the problem is every time I open it and I start reading it I get angry um, I want to moan really badly at my husband and um, you know and, and the, the numbers in there are just so shocking that I just want to I don't know I don't know what to do with myself to be like how do I fix this because the inner fixer women me wakes up but I think now I try and think of it differently, that it's an awareness piece, right? I think the the clinical um, uh, data, you know, that's, it, it's so interesting to understand that. And I, I always hear the counter argument when it comes to women clinical trials and, and data is that, Because of our uh, monthly cycles and the hormonal imbalances, it's very difficult to actually use women for clinical trials because we change dependently on where we are in a month hence it just doesn't help with medicine but it's like well we got to find a way right yes yeah and I've heard that kind of argument being used and which is is very fair point right so it's super valid
1: um but yes of course we need to find a way right and whether that's testing at different points and I'm not a clinical expert but I I know that yeah that's that's you know shouldn't be a reason to not include women you know in, in clinical studies so um yeah there's there's definitely you know lot of reasons why we should be focusing on it and why it's important to focus on it um so yeah i i do see a shift i do see Mm -hmm. um you know there's some insurance companies we're talking to and they're saying they understand the you know the benefits as well you know we talked about loyalty mm-hmm. and having being there for somebody during you know these tough moments particularly um when starting a new family that can be very tough physically mentally and um, so if you're there for somebody then they also have more loyalty to you as a brand yeah so there's also that piece which is really valuable to have lifelong
0: customers mm. customers and talent as well isn't it go both ways yes um I think, I mean, this is, I could really go on. I knew this is going to be one of those that I can go on. Um, But one thing I wanted to ask you is, and we talked about the senior talent. um, Do you think there is a correlation if there were more women in senior positions in the insurance companies? Do you think that will also support the shift in creating more um, women focused products? You know, I, I think it would help. I think definitely, you know, we know
1: women, especially, they're more likely to understand. But also if they've gone through something personally, they can really feel, you know, and champion it within within the business. Um, also, you know, the research says that women are more likely to invest in other startups or, you know, uh, female VCs are more likely to also fund uh, female startup projects. Um, but of course, you know, you also need male allies, and when a male supports, you know, it's also more likely to, to happen and to go through. So, um, but yes, I do think, of course, having more senior uh, people in leadership will definitely help. Um, an interesting study. So I was reading actually, you know, by Swiss Re, so they looked at 400 insurers, 29 reinsurance companies from the world's uh, 12 largest insurance markets. So that makes up 71% of the global insurance premiums. And they found that women made up only a quarter of the exec roles, 10% of CEOs and 8% of board members globally. So I think that's a really important point to, you know, just highlight the fact that there is a long way to go when we talk about, you know, should there be more senior leaders? Yes, of course, because they're just not there represented enough now. And that's not specific to insurance industry right that's in general but this is just for for insurance Um, and when we look at France actually are leading the way in Europe so they have 41 percent of women in exec positions but this goes lower when you start to look at CEO or Mm. board chairpersons Mm. so I think you know there's definitely you know call out to anybody who's you know in a senior female position to really you know keep talking about you know what it took to get there and how other people can get there and I think be inspirational for others because it's so important that we build that talent pipeline and we get women in those senior positions and that will only help um, I think also improve kind of women's healthcare programs within them.
0: I think that's a that's a very valid point because a lot of women that I do speak to increasingly that are in very senior positions they they've made a lot of sacrifice along the way or they really leverage the support network around them and I don't think we encourage enough of that and a lot of the conversations that you've mentioned today that you do within Phillips as well I think that supports these conversations so yeah more we can okay, yeah I'll, I'll join you in this appeal to all the women out there please keep on talking and sharing your stories um so that it, I think is the policies, is the insurance products, uh, is is these collaborations that we were speaking about. All this will help driving change. Um, there's a there's a, a bit of a sad feedback that I'm hearing that if we continue on doing what we're doing, which is some of those tick book exercises or nice posters, nothing will change. It actually until we all start coming together and moving across from various angles that's when the real change will, will start being seen i guess is the, is the right term yeah. i mean what would you say sort of to summarize our conversation if there is someone out there listening and kind of thinking yeah we should definitely have more of an insurance products you know um what phillips is doing is brilliant like what would be your um advice i guess to get going um and can people actually get in touch with you and you know talk about it (laughs) definitely I'd love to I love talk I could talk about
1: this topic all day every day so yes of course yeah please do reach out on LinkedIn's best way um so yeah I can um, definitely share my details and and reach out get in touch I think it's it's so important for people to to look at what programs we can start doing and yeah of course like we focus within maternal health at the moment um so that's an area I'm very passionate about particularly working with more insurance companies to reach uh, more people within uh, different countries across Europe um so yeah we have a few programs going live uh, which is great but uh, yeah the I think you know working with uh, you know someone in each country would be absolutely fantastic for us and um, so we really want to provide kind of healthcare for everybody mm. um, and get their you know the access there to get the best possible outcomes for every individual that takes part in these programs so um, yeah I would say definitely get in touch <laughs> or even if you want to talk about it and see you know what you could do in your company or your business um, to help promote women's healthcare. I think there's you know everybody individually needs to, you know, if they want to, and if they feel empowered to, uh, you know, I think it's a great thing to, to start sharing the word. And, you know, it does take everybody, it, you know, if we all mm-hmm. keep silent then the stigmas are not gonna, you know, reduce, they're gonna stay there. So we really need to break down the stigmas, break down the barriers. Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, I think the media and attention focus and everything is there. So we need to go with, the, you know, those
0: headwinds and, uh, and see what we can do to propel the conversation love that I really do so to close the podcast I always ask a question and and again I have to kind of rephrase it a little bit to to your um situation but you know, thanks to working with insurance companies in the past few years what what sort of what have you experienced that you think maybe you wouldn't have otherwise
1: yeah and I think particularly this year I've had amazing opportunities to present on stage where we met um and uh, share kind of i'm super passionate as you probably can hear from this conversation about you know about women's health um so i think to be able to uh, th- through the work that i'm doing um with my job to be able to stand on stage and, and talk about that and talk about the you know the lifestyle the are life those stages that women go through um is really empowering for me and I, I i think it's a fantastic opportunity that i've been given that i wouldn't have otherwise had to you know speaking to you today this is you know it's been so great and um i mentioned i'm hosting a webinar on women's health in a few weeks as well um so it's just having all those opportunities to to talk to speak um you know publicly is something that you know I, you know for me the personal development is has been fantastic um i've been really fortunate to be able to combine kind of my passion and interests um in that way also traveling um so yeah i've done a couple of trips to spain to uh, switzerland to germany this year with work so i think being able to travel and meet customers um or go to conferences and talk at events i think that's uh, you know a lovely way that again you know working with insurance companies gives you the opportunity to do that. So if that's something that you love to do, I would say that's, you know, another reason to, to get into it because uh, the travel is always lovely. So I personally love to travel. So it's um, something that, you know, again, I can combine something I love to do, um, meeting new people, uh, which is which has been really, really great. So yeah, I would say, you know, it's it's a great industry to be part of. I think the people that you meet are just really trying to pioneer the way in health mm. and health insurance. And, and I do kind of feel positive about um, all the programs that we're doing and the work that will happen in, in the future so um, yeah I think you know definitely good good career choice option uh, and will become a choice that has been a choice for me and I hope it kind of remains that way too um, so yeah thank you so much obviously for having me on the podcast it's been a joy to speak to you today and uh, good luck with all the other recordings
0: thank you thank you so much I'm, I'm so glad we got to do it and then thank you for coming down as well to to see me and, and we got to record in person which is always nice yeah so um yeah i'm looking forward to following all your um journey and and the the impact that you're making because you're really opening doors and conversations that not maybe everyone were privy to having and um and now you're kind of pushing that needle forward which is amazing so i'll definitely be following your journey and and anyone listening do connect and and follow your journey on as well and um we all hopefully make some change together Thank (laughs) thank you so much Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help us spread the word by following us on LinkedIn and TikTok at 100 Women in Insurance. Rate our podcast and share it on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to us. If you have any recommendations or comments, please get in touch through our social media. We'll love to hear from you. See you in our next episode.